everyone, it is Stephanie Postles, the host of Up Next in Commerce. Before we get into our latest interview with another e-commerce leader, I wanted to let you know that the Up Next in Commerce podcast is now available for sponsorship for the first time ever. By partnering with us, your company will be connected to interviews with the most compelling founders, CEOs, VPs, and digital leaders in the world of commerce today. You have nothing to gain but thousands of followers and millions of impressions each and every month. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Up Next in Commerce. Welcome to Up Next in Commerce, the show that takes you to the front lines of what's happening in digital, retail, and beyond, with conversations from fast-growing startups to the Fortune 500 and everything in between. You'll get a glimpse into what's next. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, the co-founder and CEO of mission.org, and I'll be your guide through all the trends, innovations, and hot topics in the world of commerce. We all know that Meta has gone all in on the metaverse, but how do users and shoppers feel about this new virtual future? On today's episode, I talked to Martin Gilliard, the director and head of Meta Store at Meta. And I picked his brain about everything going on in the metaverse and how he is helping make sure everyone who steps into this virtual world is leaving with a positive experience. Plus, Martin dished out some great advice for brands on how to start experimenting and building for more virtual experiences in the future. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning at business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Martin, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to talk to you today. Thanks, Stephanie. So I want to start the interview a little bit different. I want to hear from you, what do you believe about the metaverse that is either a bit contrarian or that might surprise people? But don't tell me why. Just tell me your belief. <laughs> so I believe that the metaverse has two big advantages in the future. I think it will, again, transform how companies will interact with consumers uh, and create different opportunities there. I think it also has an opportunity to create a level playing field that is more inclusive, more so than any other change we've seen in the industry. Mm, Okay, those are good. I'm writing them down. They're so good. And we will circle back to those in a little bit. But first, I would love to kind of dive into the background of like, what were some childhood jobs? What were you doing when you were little? I'm trying to understand how you got to where you are today. (laughs) You know, Stephanie, I am originally from South Carolina. I'm from the outskirts of a small town. I'll tell you that we had two traffic lights and that was a big deal. Uh Uh-huh. And so no stranger to farm animals and long drives down dirt roads. Uh, Obviously, I spent most of my adult life in New York City, which could not be more or different. But I will tell you that from early stages, I'm from a family of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in very different ways. 
Um, I don't think I ever really had a first job. I think I had a first business. And even in my professional career, I've, I've run two startups uh, in addition to working at some very large companies, including Meta Platforms, where I am today. Yeah. Okay. What was your first business when you were a kid? I'm trying to think about who this like hustler <laughs> kid was. Like, what were you selling? <laughs> my first job in uh, high school, I actually worked at a t-shirt factory. And my job was to basically fold all the shirts that had passed QA, put them in boxes and stack them. Part of my arrangement was that they would actually give me the imperfect t-shirts at the end of all the shifts. And so I decided that I would actually just start airbrushing people's name on t-shirts. And I sold those at $15 a shirt wow. on the weekends. I actually made more money on the weekends than I made from stacking boxes. <laughs> oh, that's epic. Okay. I love that. That is way better than what I was doing in high school. I was just <laughs> rolling silverware at Outback Steakhouse. I think I was getting paid like $4 an hour to just roll silver all day. No one saw my talents back then, and I'm still very <laughs> salty from that. Okay, so you said you ran two startups. What were the startups you were running? So my first startup, I actually, uh, I kind of fell into it. In college, I actually started doing web design. Uh, then I started building uh, websites and e-commerce for retailers. Because at the time, this is back in 1999, just to give you a sense of how old I am. And back then, uh, I always tell everyone, this is before we had WYSIWYGs. Before you could like click a button and something would show up, you actually had to write all the code. Uh, and so outside of writing the code for the front end, we also had to write it for the back end. One of the biggest challenges in 99, the concept was if I sell something online, but I have it in my store, how do I manage that inventory? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's interesting. Now you fast forward 20 something years later, we're still dealing with that issue. Uh, and, and so that was my, my first company building websites and e-commerce for companies back, back in 99, 2000. My last startup was a company called Datamize. And this was the first time I built like an application, which is different than building like a website. The idea was how do we, how do we automate the work that data scientists do? Yet all these companies that were trying to figure out like, how do I use data as an advantage? But if you don't have people that understand how to translate that information, how do you even make sense of it? Because I always tell everyone, data is, you know, it's like soil. It doesn't have meaning without context. And so how do you build that? And so we built an application uh, that would basically automate that for people. We had people that would write algorithms that would automate simple uh, analyses for people. And we built it to create contextual recommendations so that you wouldn't have to guess what the number said. It would actually tell you what the analysis is you should put out of that. And I will tell you that we were, you know, this is back in 2012, which at the time, no one really understood what I was talking about. But there's so many companies that have developed things that are, that are in line with trying to solve that problem you know, 10 years later. Wow. You're so early. I mean, which can be a bad thing, I guess. But like, you're so early to some of these things, which is like, amazing. Like, what are you watching now that you feel like you're like, mm, this is other than the metaverse, you can't say that. Like, what else are you kind of looking at where you're like, Ooh, that's going to be big, because you obviously have your crystal ball, and you're able to spot things. Well, so what the thing that's interesting is that I will tell you, I actually, I'll tell you a book that I'm reading now that I've probably read four times, that was referred to me by a mentor of mine, it's written in 2014. And it's called Prosperity in the Age of Decline. And it was about the 2008 recession and what are the economic factors you actually need to look at that will persist through the change. If you think about where our economy is now, I look at those same factors and it's like, is this still consistent? Is this still true? And is there an opportunity to build things that will matter to those factors in the future? Uh, and, and particularly with data mice at the time, what I was looking at is that this is a growing need for how do you solve things with data? But there was this huge gap in terms of how many people existed that could actually do it. And so in my head, it's like, well, how do you find a way to automate that? Because if you don't work at one of the large tech companies, like how do you recruit those people if you're a smaller company? How do you compete? 
And so I thought about like, how do you build advantages that will be able to scale for mass amounts of people or businesses? Mm, that's good. I used to work at Google back in the day and I saw the same, even a struggle there of like, it was really hard to hire BI and like data scientists. And I mean, when there was a team there, it's like, it was coveted. And like, you can't really talk to them because there's priorities <laughs> and like, I don't know. So I mean, that's, wow, that's good. Okay, so all around training and being able to like scale those capabilities or bring in technology to like help with that. Yeah. So fast forward today, where you are, you're at Meta, you are the head of Meta Store Reality Labs. I want you to tell me and everyone else listening and watching, what is Reality Labs? Like, give me the look, the feel, what am I going to experience? Like, try and pretend I'm there. Well, there's there's two things. I, I'll explain Reality Labs and what it is in Meta Platforms and then what uh, the Meta Store is. Uh, so Reality Labs is where we build all of our hardware. And so if you think about Quest, which is our headset portal, uh, which is our communication device where you can have meetings and 2D experiences. And then we also have this partnership where we built Ray-Ban Stories, which are smart glasses, which allows you to do video uh, voice and now messaging with WhatsApp and through that. And, and a lot of that is to help people use technology to continue to connect to others in different ways. And being able to do that uh, in 2D with Portal or either in VR with Quest uh, are the things that we are we are building in Reality Labs. What the Meta Store is, it is basically our consumer retail business. And my team manages uh, how we sell to consumers directly, both online and in person in a, our first Berlin game store we built and launched it in May early of this year. Okay, so you're basically able to experience all of those things. It kind of reminded me, and you can tell me if like it's not a good representation, but I used to live in Palo Alto and I would always go to the beta store in Mountain View where you could go and you could yeah. try out all the new products. Yes. Obviously, Metastore is way better, but is that like a good, <laughs> like you're able to go there and just try things out in person and kind of experience it to just gain awareness around these things? So I, I think that is a, a great way to look at it, but I want to explain why that was so important. You know, I, I explain everyone, if we were selling something that existed today, if you sold pants, I understand what to do with pants if you showed me a picture. When you talk about trying to experience things in VR, it is something that you have to experience. Uh, just looking at it from the outside doesn't give you the full breadth of what the possibilities of what this could actually be. In launching, you know, the physical store always is a challenge. You know, we opened a physical store right after the end of a pandemic, but we knew that it was necessary if we were going to be able to accelerate how people would understand what it means when we talk about we're building things to help you connect to the, to the metaverse. And we're not building the metaverse. I think tons of companies will build that. But this is our version, our piece of being able to help people connect to that. But what was important about that store experience is that we built it to be an experience. There's nothing that's tethered in our store. We want people to pick things up and try it. We want them to ask questions. We want them to try the demos. And when I look at the the feedback that comes from everyone. That's the part that's been the most exciting to me, rather it's, you know, an elderly person who just tried VR for the first time and just watching his reaction to that, or this kid that was talking on Portal to his family that lived in another country, and knowing that was the first time that he's been able to have a group chat on WhatsApp with someone in his family in a different country. So when I think about those experiences, that tells me that having this physical experience really matters. And we learn a lot from that. We learn from the feedback that we're seeing how people interact with our product. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems super smart because I'm just imagining like you have your customers in there giving you feedback, being your beta testers. I mean, what are you learning today? Because it feels like it's like the perfect time in the market where people are open to this compared to like when you think about when, you know, back then Facebook acquired Oculus. It was like so early and people were like, 
what is, I mean, I remember trying this back when I was in the Bay Area and it was like, what is this? Like, how could I even use this? So now it feels like such a good time, but like, what are you learning from customers who are coming into the store? I think it goes both ways. I think there's one in terms of our ability to be able to tell our story and to have people experience that. And the other is what do we learn back from that? There's, we're learning a lot on how people experience our smart glasses. Uh, we're learning a lot on how people use portal. We're learning a lot around VR. You know, it's like we don't share, you know, numbers externally. But what's been so interesting is the people that come in to try our VR headset, most of them have never tried VR before. This is their first experience. And that was interesting to us because you think like, you know, we're obviously there's other headsets that exist, but this has been the first time for so many people. And so for them to be able to come in and experience that with us first, to me, that is that is an honor to be able to do that. And I think what we've done is tried to create an experience that allows them to connect with other people. So for example, when you go into the Berlin Game store and you do the VR demo, there actually is a place we actually show a recording of you actually in the game or in the demo. And everyone in the store can watch you in the demonstration and we give you a takeaway so you can share it on social media. Ah, oh, so smart. <laughs> right. So how do you create this experience where not only am I having this amazing experience, but I'm able to share it with the people that are around me. I'm able to share it with my friends. And, and so I think that that helps you unlock what it means to create the social experience that VR can actually create versus just this experience I can have for myself. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I remember my first experience I put on, uh, I forget which goggles they were, but I put them on and I was in some game and I was on the top of a cliff <laughs> and they kept telling me, step off, step off. And my brain was like, I could not, I could not step off. And I was in this like five by five room at the Googleplex. I could not do it. But then I couldn't tell anyone, like I couldn't explain it to people. They're like, why? Yes. Like it's hard to explain. So like bringing in the social experience and like being able to share that is like such a smart element. I mean, how do you see that kind of changing this market by being able to kind of share this experience with others? And I'm sure you've already seen it changing, but like, what does that look like? Do you think going forward? You know, I'll, I'll speak about this one personally. I think myself, just like everyone over the last few years, I think we miss being able to connect with people. And I think what this uh, has an opportunity to do is to not replace the physical interaction, but to create something where I can have the shared experience in another place. Because and I tell everyone, you know, I think the mobile phone democratized the ability to have information in your hand, but I think VR has the opportunity to democratize experiences that other people may not be able to have. That wasn't just important to, you know, the experiences we've had over the last few years. I think that's important to what's going to happen uh, in the future. I think that will create opportunities for more people. It will create opportunities for more businesses to understand how to connect uh, with consumers. I see the parallels between this and 20 years ago when I started working in a digital space. That's the part that I'm the most excited about. Yeah, I love that because you essentially brought it back to what you said in the beginning around creating a level playing field and transforming how we interact with our consumers. So we're going to go there now. Like, what does that look like when we're creating this level playing field? I mean, what are you imagining, especially if I'm a business owner and I'm not only trying to recruit, I'm trying to find new customers. I mean, everything, I feel like borders are disappearing. Like how we used to think about things, it's like, that's going to go away. There's no such thing as borders when it comes to being online. So like, how do you kind of see that, you know, creating this level playing field for everyone? You know, it's interesting. When I, when I think about a lot of companies that were impacted the last couple of years, particularly retail, and retail, I think for 20 years has struggled with this battle between the efficiency of online, but the experience that you create in the physical store. And I think the metaverse has an opportunity to actually give you both, where you have the efficiency of being able to have access to anything and, and buying becomes very easy. 
but you still have the opportunity to have this shared experience of being in another environment with other people. The social part of what VR actually uh, can do for people, I think that's the part that will be able to trend to transcend how people actually shop and, and buy things. And I think for businesses, that will matter. Um, I think on the other side for businesses, it's also an opportunity to create assets that aren't just physical, but assets that are also digital. And those, I mean, from that's a different margin, it creates different, you know, inventory, creates different relationships. Um, there's so much opportunity there for so many companies to figure out how do I interact with people in these spaces? How to create things that add value? And then what is what am I getting back from that? And so, so that part, I'm very excited about of what could happen in the future. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I'm sure you get a great inside look at how companies are experimenting within your platform. So like, you don't have to use names or anything, but what are maybe some cool things that you're watching brands do right now to be able to interact in a different way or talk to their customers in a different way or just experiment? Like, what do you you see going on behind the curtain? I think it's all a lot of experimentation right now because it's still so early. There's a lot of companies that are trying a lot of different things. I think some of it is just learning what does it mean for them? What does it mean for their consumers? And so I think everyone's just in this experimental phase of like, what does this mean around creating a digital asset? Because uh, if you can imagine, if I've only worked with physical assets, working with a digital asset, it'll, that's a complete change of how I think about my business. Um, what should I expect from consumers in those spaces? And I think a lot of them are just trying to make sure that they're at least familiar to consumers in the space. And so are the people that interact with me in my physical world, the same people that would interact with me in my digital world. And so I think there's just so much that brands are still trying to learn. But I think the part that I'm most excited about is that they haven't been afraid to just try things. And I think right now, uh, going back to what I talked about before, about how do you create prosperity in the age of decline, you have to be able to experiment with things you think are going to help you accelerate later. And I think this is one of the places that will be very exciting in the future. And although it won't be a, a short-term fix, um, I think in the long term, it will benefit a lot of companies to just at least get a lot closer to it and understand what it means for their business. Yeah, I agree. So I see a large difference between the fast-growing startups who come on here who are like ready to experiment. I mean, any technology, <laughs> they're like, I'm going to do it all. And it's fun because they are experimenting quickly and then, okay, some things fail. I'm going to keep this. Uh, but the larger brands are like, pretty focused on like, you know, we really got to keep the foundation right. And like some of them are dabbling, but like, what would you say is like maybe some of the best things to start experimenting in? Like, what are maybe the technologies you're most excited about that, you know, larger brands should at least attempt to explore? So I want to start with like, you know, there's two very different things to smaller companies, mainly are private. They have less baggage that they have to deal with. Yeah, uh, yeah. When you're a large company that supports an existing customer base, you're driving a much bigger ship. So experimentation could look you know, very different, but the impact of that has the potential to be so much larger. Where they will experiment will kind of dictate kind of where they see their advantage. Uh, there are those that, you know, you could be a large company that sells your brand directly to consumers, even though you use other people. Like, how do you create an asset that exists in other places? If you are a place where your primary thing is, I provide the location where people are gathering to buy things. Like, what do I create? Do I need to create a place where people uh, hang out when they're looking for things? Are they, are they still looking to me to bring innovation to them? Are they looking for me as a voice of what should be the right thing that they purchase? Uh, so there's, there's different ways of how you can look at what that means. What I've seen so far, and whether it's you know, with our company or, with our, or not with our company, there's a lot of people building things that are really focused on creating spaces for people to be together. Um, and I think that is very interesting because if you think about when the internet was created, 
uh, not the internet was created. When when e-commerce became a very big thing 20 plus years ago, the commercial internet, I should call it, uh, it was very focused on how do I make it efficient? How do I give you as an individual as many choices as possible so you can actually be done with this as quickly as possible? And that's how I win your attention. And when I see people doing that, I was like, how do I create this place where people just want to be? Uh, and that's a very different way of looking at what digital could mean for a business or what it could mean for the consumer. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm like so excited about this new model, like thinking about Web3 and how all these incentives are going to have to change to be able to like, you're really just going to have to get people who want to be there. Like there's no tricking anymore. There's no like, you know, like, I don't know, FOMO and all this kind of stuff. Like you're actually going to have to develop communities and give them reasons to want to stay there and be there, which to me is like a very exciting place to get to. And yeah, I mean, I follow a couple, like I'm in a couple of Discord threads right now. and this one, they all went in and they bought a plot of land in Montana together. Now they're figuring out like, how do we rule this land? And what do we do? And it's like so <laughs> interesting because these people are in it. And I just hopped in because I was like, oh, I wonder what's happening in here. Um, but it's like, that's the kind of communities that are going to be developing. And they're going to be these like small, really engaged. I mean, I always talk about like the thousand true fans, like Kevin Kelly, I mentioned that all the time, but like, that's what's going to be popping up. And as a brand, like, how do you know how to even keep up because it's not going to be one large one probably anymore, you know? I'll share. So I have an eight-year-old who plays games with his friends online and they play them together. And, you know, and I give him a lot of real money to spend in these games. And I realize that there's a shift of how we valued things in the physical world. They value them in a digital world and are willing to exchange currency for that um, because those are the places that they're creating. Those are the places where they're hanging out with their friends. And I, you know, I think it's interesting to kind of watch that shift uh, and for me, you know, looking as, you know, not just a parent, but as a business person of like, man, there's going to be a huge opportunity here because the, the generations that are coming after us, their value on things or things that they want to own, they don't always have to be physical. And I think that's an important thing to to kind of learn more about if you are a business. Like, what does this mean for me in the future? There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise, and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. Publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. It's interesting. So all my kids, my three boys are all under the age of five. So they're not in that wow. space yet. It's <laughs> just too chaotic to even think about what's happening outside of just them. But I've heard that quite a bit. And it's also been interesting hearing the brands that are operating well in that space. I mean, I, I can't remember. It was a luxury brand, but they're there. And like these kids are buying things that I'm like, I can't even afford, but they're buying skins <laughs> for these purses and the you know virtual yes. world. And this previous guest was telling me and I was like, Wow. And then there's certain brands who just like completely flop in that space. And I'm like, I don't even know how to, I wouldn't even know how to think about like giving them something they want and why they're choosing what they want in a virtual world. 
but you guys get access to a lot of that stuff. I'm sure you kind of already can see like, or as a dad, like what resonates and what doesn't with this younger generations. <laughs> well, as a dad, sometimes I'm surprised at the things that he asked me for. And I always like every parent is like, where did you learn that? And I realized I'm like, oh, in your game. But, you know, it's interesting watching how brands are starting those relationships early on. They recognize just, you know, like you have now, you have to win the customer's attention. You have to give them something that adds value to them. And I, I don't think those, those principles exist in every form of how you interact with the consumer. I, I think what happens in the metaverse and what's happening in VR spaces, I don't think that changes, but how you do that uh, could change because now you can create assets that may not have been attainable for someone they're not going to be attainable for someone in a different form. And so I I think there's going to be a lot of potential there. Yeah. How far away do you think we are from like virtual shopping and stuff? Because I have seen, we launched a virtual shopping thing (laughs) and I looked it up and I was like, oh no, it was just like a replica of like virtual shelves. Like I'm literally walking in the store with like shelves. And I'm like, you don't even need a shelf. And it's like, well, I don't know. And it was like very grainy and it was hard for me to understand like why, why, why? How far away do you think it is until we can like be in a spot where we're like, this is actually a pleasant experience and I would actually choose to do this than go in person? You know, so I think the reasons why people shop online, the reasons why people shop in person are just different. And I think what will happen in, in virtual spaces will be just another option that people will explore. And it's like, am I looking for efficiency? Am I looking for the experience? And, and so I, I don't think it, it necessarily pulls, pulls away from one, but I think you learn from both. In terms of how far we are away from that being critical mass, I think like everything, it depends on consumers. Uh, it depends on how comfortable they are with that, is what they're doing adding value to them. Uh, things that I've seen, you know, not just, you know, as a, a worker at, at Meta, but also as a parent, someone who uses VR myself, people are just getting more familiar. They're getting more familiar with doing things in these spaces. There's more people that are adopting this. So you have more people to do it with. And I think as that continues to grow, the demands that people want to continue to stay in those spaces, companies will be forced to figure out how do I meet that demand? You know, we talk about the growth of, of e-commerce. Well, it took e-commerce a long time to get where it is today. You know, that doesn't mean it replaces how people shop, buy in stores. Like still 85% of transactions will still happen in a physical store. And I think there's just going to be a segment of how people want to interact and purchase that will happen in these spaces. And I think we'll learn over time what that means. I, you know, that could be five years, it could be 10 years. Uh, but I, I do believe that this is not a fad. This is something that will be a shift in how people want to interact, how they want to receive information, how they want to be entertained, uh, and how they, how they do commerce. Yep. When it comes to other countries, I always like to watch like the leapfrog effect where they just like skip over the dumb <laughs> stuff the U.S. did. They're like, we don't need point of sale. We don't need these things. Like We're just going <laughs> to the next and greatest. Like, Do you see that happening maybe across the globe where you're like, oh, they're just going to like skip right over these things that don't work and they're just going to like hop right into this like metaverse and be large players? Well, I, I think there's probably more qualified people to have that answer for you on our VR team and how they look at it. Um, but I think what we've seen over the last 20 years is countries invest more in trying to become more digital, how to create what their advantage could be. And we've, we've, we've seen that happen as, as the world got more digital. There are companies that were able to keep up because of that. But again, that's just my personal opinion on it, but about how, what that means for VR, there's probably someone in the VR product team that could talk about that more eloquently. Yeah, I got you. Okay, so I want to hear about collaborations a bit. I mean, I saw the Ray-Bans collaboration. I'm like, that's awesome. So first, can you tell people a bit about what those glasses do? And then I want to hear about you know how you think about collaborations like that. So Ray-Ban Stories is our collaboration with Exotica. 
to bring smart glasses to the market. And, you know, the challenge was how do you create something that has high functionality? And so you're able to take high definition photos. You're able to do phone calls or listen to music. It's most of the things you can do with a phone, you can do with these glasses. And we've most recently added the ability to actually do WhatsApp calls. But the other thing, you had to make it so people wanted to put it on their face. So how do you create something that's highly functional, but still stylish? Pick the best brand in the world. <laughs> yeah, you know, and they've been a great partner. And I think it's a great product. And like for me personally, I tell everyone for eight years, I think my phone has watched my son grow up, not me. And what I love about what these glasses, it gives me the ability to do is I'm able to be present in the experience while also recording it for his grandparents. Um, and for me, that was transformational. I got a chance to be present. It wasn't just on my phone. And so that for me mattered. Being able to have my hands free mattered and being able to communicate. Although it still throws people off when I'm talking and I just have on glasses. Like, are you recording me right now? Is this an interview? <laughs> <laughs> I am not. Uh, but I will tell you that when, when people walk into our brother game store, it's actually one of the most popular things that people go to. I think we underestimated how much time people wanted to spend going through that, how often they went. And, and it's it's a pretty, you know, I got to give it to our, our store team. They did a pretty great job of not just building out something that was engaging, but also just the training around educating people and getting them to try it uh, was very, it was very exciting to see. And it's one of those things that once you try it, you understand it. You understand how applicable this is. I use it when I, you know, go to my friend's weddings. I, I use it when I'm with my kid, uh, you know, because I'm at age where I have to wear glasses anyway. And so it's having to be functional has been very helpful for me. Yeah. So are you tapping something on that to start recording or like, how does it look like? Because I remember at one point there yeah. was something not with Meta, but there was these things being developed at a place I might have worked at where it was like, it was a necklace that you had on and it was like videotaping experiences. <laughs> but at one point they were like, oh no, there's so much data coming in. Like, what do we do? And so like, how, how do you make sure to actually like record what you want? And what does that look like? You can activate it by touching the button on the top right, or you can actually use your voice. Uh, it's up to you to decide how you want to do it. I, personally, I use it for voice activation just because I use my hands a lot. Um, and I found that to be very helpful. Cool. And then it goes to like your phone and like is saved there or where does it go? Yes. It goes, it, it is saved to the app that you download onto your phone. Mm, that's cool. Okay. Like why did it take so long for glasses to take off? I feel like it's been like under development for like a decade. And now when I see this, I'm like, this is the one. This is definitely going to like have mass appeal, not only with having a good name brand on it and it works. Like, why did it take so long? I think it's that balance between creating something that is functional, but also that you're, that is stylish. I actually think it matters. It's if I am, you know, the same way that I make decisions on how I am going to dress, if I'm putting something on my body, I want it to reflect me. And I think what that partnership did is it allowed us to create a product that was extremely beautiful, but highly functional. And I think that's what people wanted. Yeah, that was probably the piece that was like lacking, like actually looking nice while yes. doing something that was helpful too. Absolutely. So what's next? Like, what are you most excited about right now in this space? Because I feel like it's like evolving so rapidly. There's so many things that you can like probably be looking at any one moment. Like, what are you personally like most excited about? You know, the part that I've, that's been most exciting for me to see is, is this language is becoming something that is persistent across what everyone is talking about. Um, I think more people are exploring what it means for their business, what it means for them. And also, I think it's an opportunity to create a part of the digital world that could be more inclusive. And I, and, you know, I think you know, and we were talking before, and I, you know, I had a conversation with a friend last week who said the future already exists. Not everyone has access to it. 
And I think what we have done is created a product that can, and at a price point that allows people to have access to it. And so I'm excited about that. Look, I am from a small town in, in South Carolina, and I told everyone two and a half years after leaving that small town, I built my first website and it changed probably my entire career. Uh, and when I look at what having access to those resources meant, what I looked at in terms of, you know, being able to work in a space where the only limit you had was just your imagination. I look at this as an opportunity for other people to have that as well. Uh, and, and my hope is that we continue to get this in communities that don't always get things first, uh, because I think there's a lot of creativity that will come out of that, but will continue to push businesses and push this industry forward. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I'm just thinking about, yeah, like the education aspect of this. And I'm also from like a small town on like Eastern shore, Maryland. It was like, we didn't get access to that bunch. And I'd always <laughs> hear my friends who were in like, you know, the DC area and going to different yeah. schools and like, yeah. They were going these worldly travels. They're telling me about these different things. And I'm like, man, I wonder what that's like. And now <laughs> imagining like kids anywhere all over the globe being able to kind of go and visit those places in person and learn and like just watch things real time to be able to like have a teacher anywhere. And I don't know, the education aspect of it really excites me as well. Huge, huge. It's a great component. Yeah. Well, Martin, this has been such a fun interview. I am very grateful that you came on today and took time from your PTO, from your vacation to be on here with me. So thank you. And until we chat again, where can people learn more about you and what you're up to? Well, Stephanie, thank you very much for making the time today. I always like having conversations. Everyone should, if you have an opportunity to go to San Francisco, please stop by the Berlin Game store. There's amazing staff there walking everyone through. Our updates are always shared everywhere on our company news page. And for me personally, you can always find me on LinkedIn. I talk about the metaverse every week. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.